episode 112 of Welcome to Level 7. Daredevil Season 1, Episode 10. Nelson v. Murdoch. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome to Level 7. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm here, first of all, to welcome you to Level 7, and second of all, to say, hey, I'm not here alone. I'm here with Agent Daniel Butcher. I'm I'm sitting here wondering, is this present Ben or past Ben? Well, Daniel, it's a little bit of both, and we formed together. Like a Voltron to create future Ben. Yeah, because it got totally weird there for a few minutes. So, if I remember yeah. correctly, Daniel, Awkward. it's gonna get a little weirder. Yes, <laughs> let's but, do it. Yeah. So hey, we're 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 rolling in toward the end here. This is episode uh, ten of Daredevil. There's only three more after this, as you remind Man. me. And, remember uh, when we thought we'd never get through this back in April? <laughs> remember when we had to make up content <laughs> to get through a summer? You know that time we had that episode about how we'd MCU characters just because we couldn't think of anything to talk about? Yeah, remember when we used to watch Incredible Hulk episodes? To oh, man, I miss those. Give us something to do. I miss those so much. That was fun. That was fun. And we were going to do... We were going to do the Salinger Captain America. Never got to that. Never we were gonna know. Do, we, we, might. Were, we were going to do Trial of the Incredible Hulk. Oh, it's no, we right did Trial. We were going to do, we do Death of the Incredible Hulk. We did we the Trial. We were going to do Daredevil with Ben Affleck. We were. In fact, I even did watched it. I thought we did that. No, we didn't. I, I, I watched it. I've got notes. Yeah. Yeah. And I was even potentially going to watch Elektra. I didn't I have that too. I do too. I bought it. And then it's like, oh no. Hey, Ben and Daniel, it's Marvel calling. And actually they didn't call, but they, in my pretend mind did. And they said, we're, we're going to give you too much stuff. Lots and lots and lots of great content. And it's going to make you want to talk about it. And so yeah. here we are. We should probably talk about it then. Uh, let's, but we have a couple news items first to talk about, right? All right. Sad trombone. N- no, I'll, I'll, uh, I have a sounder. Uh, it goes like this. Extra, extra, read all about it. Did you hear me click the button? Wow, that was, that was an incredible sounder. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be different every time. It's one of those where I, you know, make adjustments and until it's ready, until it's right. Totally got weird. Okay. And I told you it was going to get weirder. But Two news items, Daniel. What are they? Well, here's an easy one. Mm-hmm. Hey, Vin Diesel's coming back as Groot. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, I guess he decided, you know, two days in a sound booth saying the same line over and over again. Hey, Well worth hey, my time if say, I'm getting paid to do it. You had to say some of that in French. 
Yeah, and he had to say it with the correct emotional intonation. I think he did some of it in Spanish. Well, the man earned his paycheck. Including that half an hour doing Mandarin? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hearing this news, you know what makes me want to do? Watch The Iron Giant. That was a great movie. You you want to hear my secret shame? What's your secret shame? Never seen it. Wow. If we ever did like a series of episodes where we were like just watching stuff that MCU actors have been in, um, that's never going to happen because because we have too much content. doing like series of episodes about you know actual MCU content. So it's enough that if it was to be piled on top of you, you might die from the weight. No. I mean, it's just a couple DVDs worth and some digital code coming at us through Netflix. So I'm not well, too worried. No, think about how many episodes of how many things Jeremy Renner's in nowadays. Oh, we wouldn't do a complete thing. I mean, we're not watching that cop show that he did. Oh, heavens no. It wasn't too bad. I don't remember much about it, though. I don't even remember the name yeah. of it. Let's uh, digress. Let's get to news, buddy. Hey, speaking of Jenny, uh, Jenny, Jeremy Renner, uh, he said at Wizard World Chicago, he's just waiting to be asked to be on TV, and they're just not asking him. Hey, have you also heard that he confirmed what side he's on in Civil War? No. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a spoiler. Let's not do that. But number I two. Guess. So news Bunch item number stuff- two that you had. Let's hear it. Well, a bunch of stuff came out about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay. And when I say bunch of stuff, it's really kind of setup stuff, letting us know where we're going. You know, that like when the season begins, you know, Fitz is going to be obsessed with trying to figure out what happened to Simmons. And, you know, that vacation Melinda was going on with her ex-husband. Mm-hmm. Apparently not back yet. And that Daisy and Phil are going to be looking for Inhumans. But you know, and we've talked about this before, not the only one looking for Inhumans because another Inhuman named Lash is also looking for Inhumans. I don't know much As, about Lash. Tell me about Lash, but, Daniel. Lash is a, a recent new character in the Marvel Universe. When I say recent, you know, the last 12, 18 months in the Inhuman title. Um, basically, he has served as a an opposite, uh, an adversary to Queen Medusa. Of Adelan. And uh, after the Inhumanity event, where this is going to sound really familiar to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, fans, for example, after the Inhumanity event, where Inhumans sprung up all over the world, but not from fish oil, wink, wink, <laughs> um, Medusa was going around and was one of the forces trying to pick up and, in her case, save, while other groups were trying to. Uh, Use them for their own nefarious purposes. But but Lash was another inhuman who was looking for inhumans. And in some cases, he murdered those inhumans. And in some cases, he recruited them to his own anti-Antalan group. Sounds like a, so, a good a good opponent then. Yeah. And, and they've cast him. And, and some of you might be excited to find out that he's... Former, well, I guess you're never a former in this case. He's Super Bowl champ, Matt Willing, former NFL football player. Hmm. 
Interesting. Yes, it's the, you know, not the round ball, but the more of a square ball with rounded ends, Ben. Square ball? With rounded ends. How about oblong? I'm okay with oblong. (laughs) I just wanted to be able to use it in words you could understand. There's no such thing as a square ball. As soon as it's square, you're pretty much not a ball anymore. But rounded on the ends. Uh, Hey, you know what else he was on? What? He was on the Sweet Life on deck as a genie. There you go, Agent Evan. Did that one for you. Nice. Okay, well, that's our news then. Correct? All right. Yeah. Yeah, let's, I think it's time for it to get weird around here. All right, let's do our opening statements. The uh, These are voicemails that we've left for ourselves uh, directly after watching the episode. And so this is our instant reaction. I mean, credits are rolling. And the phone is being dialed or the phone is being pressed, the but, uh, the little lights on the touch screen. But uh, yeah, so we're going to play the sounder right now because it's time to start our conversation about this episode. Opening statements. Okay, Daniel. Well, let's, let's, let's listen to the first call. And this is from one of us in the past. Ready? Let's do it. Hey, Daniel. Hello, future Ben. Future Ben, I think I'm feeling a little bit of sympathy and empathy for you as I'm feeling really tired because, well, past Ben, me being present Ben, but your past Ben, so your double past Ben to you is past Ben to me. Well, he's making me stay up too late. He just stayed up too late watching Daredevil because, you know, it's really good. I'm tired. I'm suffering because of his bad choices. And, of course, that means that, you know, you suffer from my bad choices. and We're both suffering from his bad choices. So I really think he's our enemy. We're not each other's enemy. But speaking of enemies, of course, this is the episode uh, Nelson V. Murdoch, um, similar to, I think, uh, the new Man of Steel movie with Superman v. Batman. But anyway, man, I, wow. This is the episode where they earn their, their money. You know, Foggy earned his money for his acting. And, um, you know, his, his present-day stuff, he was acting really well. But past Foggy, I, I couldn't help feeling I was watching maybe a Saturday Night Live sketch of... Uh, you know, old guys pretending to be young guys kind of thing. I mean, it's not that extreme, but it was close. It was close. And you're watching, you know, past Foggy and past Matt, and they're making choices that are going to come back to them later on, and maybe they're going to regret, and maybe they won't. Just just like double past Ben for you, future Ben, and you know, single past Ben for me. And anyway, um, I guess I should apologize for... Uh, the things that I've done to you, future Ben. Anyway, uh, it's a good episode, good series. Uh, not a lot of action, but a lot of acting. So that's my instant reaction to Nelson V. Murdoch. So there it is, Daniel. <laughs> that for you is probably one of the least weird calls we've had. It is. It was a little confusing. But yeah, if you think about it, 
though I past do foggy, think... past Matt, future foggy, future Matt. Did I catch past you trying to make an allowance alliance with you against past past you? Yeah, double double past Ben. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about that because, I mean, I just look at it. I only see one. Past Ben, double past Ben, they they both look the same to me. Hmm. And they're, yeah. And they're stupid choices staying up late. (laughs) I do remember that. That was a three episode night, I think. You know, it's possible that between you then and now, maybe one of these nights you actually had a decent night's sleep. Maybe that's the past Ben you need to find and shake the hand of. Yeah, I'm going to stick with my easy blame. And, uh, yeah. Well, you're American, so no one can blame you for that. That's right. That's right. I mean, we we find the easy target, place the blame, and then hold the grudge. Right? You're not hearing me argue. I'm with you. (laughs) Yeah. You wouldn't argue because then I'd have to hold the grudge against you. Hey, speaking of you, let's listen to you. How's that sound? Hey, I have no idea what I'm about to say. I hope it sounds better than last time. <laughs> tense. I'm tense. Nelson versus Murdoch. I'm tense. I'm tense about the future of the relationship between Foggy and Matt. I'm tense about Vanessa and the fact that she's got foam coming from her mouth. I'm sorry. Foam coming from the mouth is not a good thing. <laughs> Sometimes that means you can't really do much about it anymore. I'm just I'm tense. Tense. Yeah. What is up with these last two episodes giving us these big cliffhangers that are just, just tearing at me? Oh. This is Daniel. I'm an agent. I've become a daredevil addict. Um, again, the early episodes, they were good, but I didn't think they were necessarily the best thing ever. But now I am fully in there. I'm hooked. I got to go. I got to see what's going on next. Peace out. Later, bye. Sounds like there might have been a little bit of binging going on in in your house, too. I was going to say, it sounds to me like that was binge day. (laughs) Because as you know, it took me a while to get, it took me a week to get number one watched. Because I had a trip out of town. Mm Mm-hmm. And then it took me like another week to get number two watched. I remember. So it took me a while. A but there was a binge day. Well, Daniel, it sounds like both of us liked the episode in the past. Both of us has watched it now since then and taken more notes about this in the single past. So double past us watched it, then single past us watched it. And this now, is getting way too confusing. Now we're into present past us, and here we are, ready to talk about this. I think it's time for us to uh, move to the next section. Section here. Please let's before I try to do the silver spoon theme song again. <laughs> Case evidence. All right, Daniel. Uh, we have a couple ways we could approach this. We could go in chronological order as it was presented to us. Or I really, there's kind of four storylines here, possibly three, but there's definitely a Kingpin storyline. There is a Ben and Karen storyline. And then there's the 
Matt and Foggy present day stuff and the Matt and Foggy flashback stuff. So what I would like to propose to you, Daniel, is that we talk through the Kingpin stuff. We talk okay. through the Ben stuff. And then we decide, do we want to talk through all of the Matt and Foggy stuff in order? Or do we just take those as two separate things? One being the flashback material that was presented to us and the other being the present day material that was presented to us. Well, Ben, I don't want to sound like a giant jerk, but I think you just made it entirely more complicated than it needed to be. So why don't you just talk? It's not more complicated than we need it to be. It's exactly the complication that we need for this. Right. So go ahead and pick. Well, let's start with Fisk. Talk through his little arc here. Then we'll talk about Ben. And then we'll just talk about Matt and Foggy. How's that sound? Works for me. There's not a lot going on with Fisk in this episode. And honestly, there's not a lot going on with really any plot movement forward. But there is a lot of information and there is a lot of relationship resetting in both it really in, in in all of our areas here and the relationship reset here that we're finding is first you have fisk fisk and madam gao and they have a really nice conversation uh even though a lot of it was in subtitles and to me subtitles are good because you get the original actor voice in that language and what they they mean, you do lose, I think, some of the emphasis. Well, but I do think it was authentic for who we're supposed to believe these characters are. That's true. That's true. Be because you get the back and forth about switching the languages and showing who knows what. So, again, it it felt authentic. The, what I mean is, we get a nice little story here from Madame Gao that in English, well, let's put it this way. The priest's story in the previous episode, if it had been subtitled, it wouldn't have been as powerful for a lot of us who only speak English. If he had been speaking in, say, Latin or, or French or something like that, because we wouldn't get the emphasis of the words. And I think we get that a little bit of that here. However... It's a great little metaphor. It's a great little parable that she gives to Fisk, basically saying, here's a story. It's about you. And what are you going to do with that information? You know, similar to maybe some prophets in the Bible who have come, you know, they go to a king and they're like, Here's a story about a little guy who did this little thing. What do you think about it? And then, you know, King David's like, ah, kill that guy. And then, well, the guy we're talking about is actually you. And, you know, instead of stealing sheep, it was adultery and murder. And that's what we kind of get here. Although Fisk knows right away you're talking about me. Which one am I? Am I the snake or am I the elephant? And the, the little story is, you know, there was a snake once who thought the elephant was his prey. And he died with his mouth around the elephant's foot. That is a bad case of indigestion. Yeah. You know what you need for that, Daniel? Pepto-Bismol. That's it, exactly. We haven't talked about the Pepto in a long time. Uh, other than, just, you know, we've gotten some feedback saying, that's not Pepto, and it's clearly not pink. 
And all I can say is not on my screens, man. <laughs> it is pink in my screen. It's pink. I can't help it. It's not just one screen. Anyway, um, that's neither here nor there. Well, maybe it is there over there. And we should leave it there. But the, uh, you know, and so Fisk is saying, hey, well, which am I? Am I the snake or am I the elephant? And we get a lot of conversation about change. We get conversation about how Kingpin has changed. Um, he's His mind is pulled apart and distracted. And he's trying to be both savior and oppressor. And you can't be both. You can't be both light and shadow, she says. That's a brilliant little line right there. And she's saying you got to choose or others are going to choose for you. And please notice she really doesn't put value on either side. Mm -mm. You could be either, but you can't be both. You can only be one. So choose. And here's the thing. I mean, she is looking at their relationship. She is saying to herself, okay, what's the value of this relationship? She still sees value in the relationship if he's going to do things the way she wants him to do them. And so she's saying, you know, you choose which way is it going to go. Others will have to choose for you if you don't. One of those others who will be choosing for you is me. And you don't want to mess with me. And what I love is they keep cutting back to this frame where they have this like little frog fountain <laughs> shooting water up, like, like dividing them, right? It's, the water is coming up right between them, at least part of them. It's not, you know, it's not going through their whole, like, so you're not looking at them and, and they're completely divided by the water. They're sitting down though, and he's big, he's imposing. But he is he is uh, beneath her. She is the more powerful one in the relationship. And you it's it's great. It's it's great filming, it's great conversation. And Fisk has to choose. And I don't know, do you get the impression? I mean, she warns him about Nobu's men. You know, they will remember. Right now they're distracted by funeral stuff and all that kind of thing. But they're going to remember this. And it's a warning. Um, you get the impression maybe that she's not too happy with what he's done here. Well, she's definitely had an, an agenda. That's why she's working with him. We don't fully know what the agenda is. It has to be about more than just her drugs. Um, but, you know, I'm interested to see where is Gao's story going to go? I'll tell you where it's going to go. It's probably going to go right through Jessica Jones and into Iron Fist and maybe a little bit of Power Man, Luke Cage. Or or maybe we'll find out next episode. Maybe. Maybe. I'm just saying, man, this is... I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, this is... You're, you're not going to agree. But Madam Gao is the Netflix MCU's Thanos. I'm just Dude, putting it out there right now. I'm trying to be coy. Like, I don't know that it's not going to get resolved in the next episode. I think you're right. There's definitely something mystical going on with her. And that really does open us up for some great Iron Fist content. And I'm reading Iron Fist right now. Original stuff, Marvel premiere, 
Iron Fist number one, and I'm loving it. And there's definitely some of those mystical elements. I mean, there's mystical books. There's mystical forces. Yeah. Yeah. Madam Gao, she knows all the languages, including probably the one that'll get you to Kun Loon <laughs> in a shorter time than 10 years. Yeah. So we move from Fisk and Madam Gao. Do you have anything more to add about Madam Gao and Fisk? Nope. Okay. Move from them to Owsley and Fisk. And there's some change in the relationship there too. Um, part of it is, <laughs> uh, Owsley has seen now Kingpin basically, I mean, not directly in Nobu's case. I mean, he didn't light Nobu on fire, but he didn't exactly run out to get a fire extinguisher. He has seen Fisk now take out two of the leaders of their group of, of criminals. Two of them are, are dead, either at Fisk's hands or because of Fisk. Well, and Fist does confess to him that the ideal state would be that the man in the mask and Nobu would have killed each other. Right. And so you get this. <laughs> Owsley himself is in a tight spot. He has one thing. The, the, the money stuff. You kill me, you lose the money. The money stuff is gone because I'm the only one who knows. And so he's he's able to play off against Fisk. But, you know, he's again talking about you've changed since that woman. You've you've changed. And, you know, change is inevitable, but, but this is not good change. And Fisk is asking him to go and talk to Madame Gao. And... <laughs> Yeah. And then that scene ends with him saying, yeah, fine, I'll do it. We're all in this together. <laughs> What's left of us? Um, I, you know, Owsley is a criminal. He's not a good person, but I enjoy him. <laughs> I really enjoy him as a character. I really want to see him get weird like in the comic books, but... I, I, I'll i be honest. Sometimes I don't like the fact that he's Owsley. I kind of wish he was a separate MCU-only character. Because the Owl character has got the ability to both be sinister and corny. And so I kind of wish we still had him as an option. Nah. I, I think we're fine. I, I'm, I'm actually a little bit glad we don't have, you know, some sort of owl guy running around the rooftops of okay if we're gonna eliminate somebody out of his rogues gallery why couldn't it have been stilt man i think stilt man has pretty much been eliminated from the rose gallery here i mean we're not gonna see a guy walking around on stilts it's just not gonna happen oh we could mcu that we totally could we're not going to stilts the stilts do not look mcu'd i don't think we're gonna see them used either but we go then to our final uh, scene with Fisk where Fisk is at a fundraising benefit. And here is where you were talking about foaming at the mouth. And I'm worried about Vanessa. I'm very sensitive. Oh, I wrote down. (laughs) I don't know why I wrote it like this. I don't know if I was just in caveman mode or if I was writing really quick or if my brain was just fried, but I wrote she dead. (laughs) That's, that's my note for my original viewing. Um, but 
there was some interesting stuff going on here, though, where they're talking about, you know, hey, do you want to run for office, Fisk? You know, basically that senator was kind of inviting him to be his dad. Hey, run for office. You know, this is this would have been Fisk's opportunity to do what his dad couldn't do. But Fisk knows where the real power is. And he's already there. He already has the real power. Then they he talk already about, has the senator. Yeah. We, I mean, that's what we saw last episode. You know, the senator wants to talk to him. Not him wanting to talk to the senator. Then we get two MCU'd versions of characters here. We get Mayor Sherry, Cherry rather, who is a mayor who was involved, mayor of New York City in the Marvel comics with Daredevil early on. And then they talk about this guy, Van Lunt, who I think owned the place where they were doing the gala. And Owlsley starts, you know, just talking about this Van Lunt guy and how he's always listening to his astrologer. And but do you know anything about Van Lunt, Daniel? I looked it up. I don't know anything. Okay, I looked it up because I didn't know anything either. He was a Zodiac guy. He was one of the the Zodiac type people that run around the the Marvel universe. And he was a real estate developer and he was legit, but then he started getting into crime and he was obsessed with astrology. And so he actually became like Taurus or something like that. But yeah, he's, he's one of those guys. And not, that was not a nice little reference man. there. Nice little reference. But he's not Stiltman. No, no. But we aren't going to get Stiltman. I don't want Stiltman. I don't want Stiltman running around he, Hell's he's Kitchen. He's not even the Shroud. Come on. Mm, the Shroud I could see. Shroud's hot and cool right now. Come on. Shroud I could see. But well, I, when I say I hot don't, and cool, I mean he's kind of old and uncool. But I don't want stilt man. I don't want the crazy, ridiculous, and goofy rogues gallery. I am super happy that they are MCUing things by just dropping little references to us, and that Owlsley is the way he is. I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, <laughs> and the one-liners he's giving here, he's just. As all these things are happening around him, and I'm thinking, partially thinking, is he so mouthy right now? Because he's acting kind of nervous. Is he should be nervous? Nervousness. Everybody in his group dies. Well, in my mind, I'm watching this and thinking, is that nervousness coming from him doing this? Like, is this his way of being like, you know what, the girl has got to go. He clearly wasn't part of it. Wink, wink. He looked at that glass in shock and horror. I know. Is Yet he, he hadn't drinking anything out of it. Mm-mm. He had not. He had not. And, you know, Kingpin changed when she became a part of his life. Is this an attempt on Vanessa? We'll find out more later, obviously. And we end it with her... On the ground, uh, foaming at the mouth. I mean, this is not a good thing. It never is, as you said. No. So It is not good. So that's our Fisk scenario for this episode. Is he's dealing with people who don't trust him and don't like the decisions he's made. And now, what's he going to do about it? 
And it goes so far as someone has now attempted to take the one good thing in his life away from him. And is it because they are specifically targeting her because they don't trust his choices when she has, uh, when she's a part of his life? Or is this, she's a casualty of war caught in the crossfire? And I don't know. Well, we'll find out. We will find out. Do you promise me? I promise me we'll find out. Actually, I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure we find out. That's why I'm sitting here. I'm like, you're telling me. And I'm like, I don't know. I can't. I can't remember. It's been months. (laughs) Don't ask me these questions. Yeah. I remember big picture stuff. These little details, not so much. So, and that's what's fun watching it now is there's a lot. There's, there's so much to this episode, not just this episode. There's so much to this series that this second viewing things are happening and I'm like, oh yeah, now I remember. And it's still kind of surprising because yeah, it's been so long. And when we did watch it, apparently I was staying up very, very late to watch. So no, and I don't think I stayed up late. I do think I binged once though. So let's talk about Ben and Karen. Ben, he's out. What? He's out. Who's out? Ben, he's out. Yeah. He starts out out. He's time to say goodbye to Ben. He's been outsmarted by a story and his, his wife in bed in the hospital. She, she gives him the pep talk he needs to hear, turns her head and turns back and she's forgotten the pep talk. I mean, she's forgotten the conversation that they've had. This is heartbreaking, heartbreaking stuff. Oh, Doris. And they're going to put her in hospice now. Like this is. She's not going to be getting that advanced medical care that Ben's been fighting for. Uh, Heartbreaking. And you want to cry and you're definitely tense because you've got human drama going on in front of you. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is real stuff here. I mean, this is. This is the kind of thing that you see every day in real life. I mean, even with all the changes to healthcare. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't work in the medical field, buddy. So I, I don't see this every day. Okay, so maybe not every day, but you hear these stories, and and even with changes to healthcare, you're hearing these stories, and you're hearing, um, you know, individuals who are caught up in a system that is not designed. To help individuals, it's designed for, you know, these broad rules of how does this work, and then you watch how does it affect, how does bureaucracy affect individuals, and and Ben and his wife are are casualties to bureaucracy, and he's offered an editor's job, but he's a reporter, not an editor, you know. And we've all been there, too, where we understand that, you know, sometimes the job that we're offered isn't the job we're a fit for. Yeah. I was once offered a position in Hydra, and I just – I'm not interested in taking over the world. The the thing is, though, you almost get the impression that they're offering him this job not because, oh, we need another editor and he's the best one, but almost to shut him down and shut him up. 
Yeah, but I think it's a mix. I mean, his editor is a former f- reporter and I believe a former friend. Yeah, although I don't and trust And I do his think editor. he is concerned. At least, even if he's not concerned about Ben, I think he probably is at least concerned about Doris. Yeah, no, I, I think he is concerned about Ben. And you almost get the impression that it's a little column A, a little column B, and a little column C. He's, okay, we can get him out of the way. He's not going to push on the stories that we don't want him to push on. Uh, and... He's not performing to expectations. He he gets assignments and he doesn't complete them. But, you know, it's understandable. I mean, we're we're actually sitting here talking about this after th- some things with um Apple, not Apple, with Amazon have just come out with how Amazon runs their their teams and and the just kind of the landscape there to work at Amazon. And, you know, stories are coming out of people who have had cancer or who have lost children. And who are being reported by their peers to not not live up to the standards of of what how much work they should be giving, and you know there's no room because of all the competition. There's no room to even stop and grieve, you know, a lost child. Uh, And and these kind of stories are coming up, and I'm I'm hearing the stories. I'm also hearing people say, "Well, I'm never going to shop at Amazon again." And I'm hearing the stories. I'm just thinking, well. I bet you you'd be very surprised then how many places are like this. But, you know, that's not this guy. This editor is, you know, he's trying to be understanding. I can, you know, this is win-win. We get Ben out of our hair with all these stories he wants to do. He gets a little bit money, more money and better benefits. And, you know, I don't have to fire him. (laughs) He's... And so this I, is, I've done my job as a human. Happy. I've done my everybody. job as a human and as a friend. Um, and Ben's not taking the job, but what else? He he's he's turning around and and giving away the story, though. The story is not the most important thing. And so he has <laughs> walked into the offices of Nelson and Murdoch because it was unlocked <laughs> and made himself some coffee. And left a shoebox on Karen's desk. You want to talk about that shoebox, Daniel? No, I actually want to go back to a comment that you made a few minutes ago. Oh, okay. Which is you made the comment that, Ben, the story is not the most important thing. And you're 100% right. Because the thing we have to realize about Ben when he comes in with this box, he's not bringing in the box to say, I've been defeated by this problem. This is the one story I'll never be able to break. I've been intimidated. Wilson Fisk is too big for me. That's not what he's saying. It's he literally does not have time for this because he's going to have to bring Doris home. He is not going to be working on this story because he's not going to be working on any story. He is going to be taking care of her because for him, the most important thing is her. Well, he's not just taking care of her. He's bringing her home for her to die. I mean, this is hospice care we're talking about. And so him bringing her home, it's it's to watch her health continue to fail. But But again, this is everything he's going to do is about her in this relationship. And 
again, think about that. He defines himself as a reporter. She's told us that. But for him, his relationship with her is more – and the time that he's going to get to spend with her, even in her – at least in her debilitated condition, I mean her memory is clearly not all there, is more important to him than being able to chase down the story. Yeah, he, he can feel good and say he's handed it off. But this fight is no longer his because the relationship is one that he has to continue to invest in. And not only does he not have the time, he doesn't have the emotional energy to to tackle something like this. I mean, if you, I can only imagine, and I know this happens. I can only imagine, though, what it would be to have to deal with hospice care which is where you are basically making them comfortable until they pass away and to do it in his own home and to take it on himself. I'm sure he'll have someone there helping, uh, you know, or, or nurses stopping in throughout the day kind of thing. But man, yeah, it's, it's done. It's not the most important thing. And so he's, he's got this shoe box on the desk, which Again, this is where I guess uh, I, I almost wonder, like, is there going to be a horse head in there or something? <laughs> well, that would have been funny. But they build it I up. Just, they build it up as a as a thing that is a thing of terror. It's been placed there, uh, but it's it's everything he had. It's all the cards. It's all the newspaper clippings. It's, it's all the stuff he had about Daredevil, about Fisk, about the story. And again, I just I can't get past this point. He's he's not been defeated by this. He's choosing to give it up. He's made a choice. A choice was not made for him. Because yeah, I'll yeah. be blunt. Doris isn't going to notice if he's not there eight hours a day. No, no, she won't. She won't. But he will. He will. And he's making the choice that that's what's most important for him. And, and that then you this have... is why this is why Ben is one of the good ones. But then you have Karen, who is trying to make the choice for him. You know, she says, well, come on with me upstate and let's take a look at a place that maybe could help you. You know, I mean, she's basically, uh, it's bait and switch. I mean, she's, you know, it's it's a very, it's a much more sad version, I guess, of, you know, tricking Garfield to get in the car because we're going to go out to eat and get some lasagna but no, we're actually turning left instead of turning right because we're going to the vet. Um, and so Ben and Karen, they drive up there together. They go inside. They they do some sneaky reportery type stuff, sneaky investigative lawyer kind of thing. Hey, we're here to, you know, for a tour. And they go to a, they end up in front of a door. And Karen says, well, you know, there's no reason why we can't just talk to someone about what it's like to be here. Ben's like, we can't afford. Other than FIPA, but I mean HIPAA, other than HIPAA, you know. Yeah, I I can't afford this. Why are we even here? She knocks on the door. The person inside lets them come in. The person inside doesn't have her complete faculties. She's not, uh, you, you know, you get the impression there's some sort of either just old age or maybe Alzheimer's or something like that going on. But when they come in, she realizes, oh, you're not the person I was expecting to come through the door. And they start talking to her. And Karen's asking leading questions. And we realize this is Fisk's mother. 
and we realize it before Ben realizes it uh, because we're expecting something and Ben's not expecting this to be about the story. It's, it's Fisk's mother. He's a good boy. He didn't mean to do what he did to his father. He was just trying to stop his father. And he always comes to visit every weekend. And he's obviously paying for this. Um, I mean, this is, this is Fisk's saving the cat right here. This is that thing you do with your characters to make them likable and relatable. And suddenly you see uh, another angle of Fisk. Now, we've already seen him try and protect his mother. But, yeah, so that's, that's where they go. And suddenly Ben is interested. Is he back in? <laughs> I'm assuming yes. I mean, it's it makes me feel a little icky watching it. Well, Karen's an icky character now, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're talking about choices being made for us. This is something that Karen brings up as they're driving. She says there's nothing worse than the feeling that comes when choices are made for us. And you know, we, we talked about that with Gao and Fisk, and now we have this with Ben and Karen. Karen agrees with Ben's feeling. You know, he, he doesn't have any choices in the matter here. And now she's saying, yeah, there's nothing worse than that. You get the impression there's something from her history about it. And then you realize she's doing this. She's trying to make the choice for Ben. And she brings him in, into a place where he can't refuse the story and she brings him in to a place where she's un being unethical. You know, she's lying to get in and now she's using this old woman to get to her son. It feels icky. I mean, there Fisk needs to be taken down. And this is where you kind of ask yourself by what means by any means necessary. Even going after his mother. So here's well, the thing, Daniel. Nature versus nurture. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing, Daniel. Fisk has two women in his life, we realize now. And both of them are being victimized in one well, way or another. I'm sure that's not going to make him very happy. Oh, yeah. It's one of those things where I also start to feel really worried and tense about what's going to happen when he finds out that Ben and Karen have been there. Will they be able to keep this a secret? Or will they be found out by someone who works there and who reports it to Fisk? I mean, they're there. They're in the lion's den. The lion is gone. There are no lions in the den, but they are in there. And it's dangerous. It's bad. So that's that's our Ben and Karen. And Ben is a great character. A great character and a good hero. I want to put that out there. He's a good man who wants to do good things. Like any superhero, he's using his powers for good. His powers being he's a he's a reporter, but he's using his powers for good even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's dangerous. 
And this episode is the reporter's version of Spider-Man leaving his costume in a trash can in the alley and walking away. That's what Ben was doing when he left the, the shoebox there for Karen. So any yep. any other thoughts here about Ben or should we move on to Foggy? No, I'm, I'm ready Matt. to move on. Let's move on to Foggy and Matt then. This well, episode, it's complicated. <laughs> this episode opens with Matt waking up. He is not alone and he is super messed up. Not just from Ninja, but from, you know, being stitched up. He's been fixed up. He's going to get an infection. <laughs> I don't think he's going to get an infection now. Why? Claire took care of him. I mean, if you want to go through the action beats here, off camera, bef- between episodes, Matt took a swing at Foggy because Foggy tried to take him to the hospital. Matt told him to call Claire. Claire shows up, stitches him up, and leaves again. And she doesn't tell Foggy anything. And that's where we open the episode, is Matt waking up another time. And Foggy has been just waiting and stewing and angry and betrayed. And then they argue. And they talk. And Matt tries to explain and Foggy is angry and Matt is upset and sad and Karen calls and Foggy lies to Karen about what happened to Matt because Matt says, you know, she can't know right now. So now Foggy sad is even more sad because he has lied now to someone he cared about. That's his exact line. There is, you know, I have lied to someone I care about and Matt's opening up. Matt's telling Foggy the truth. Foggy is realizing how much their relationship has been based on lies. Not maybe not lies so much as just things that were never actually said. They argue. Matt explains. Foggy's mad. They both start crying. And that sounds like a podcast episode right there. <laughs> and Foggy leaves. Goes back to Nelson and Murdoch, takes the plaque, drops it in the trash, and he's done. He's out. So that's our action. In between that, we get flashbacks to Matt and Foggy in college. <laughs> to a Saturday Night Live character <laughs> um, of them being, you know, 18 or whatever. Um we see when they first meet and they hit it off and fog is excited because he can be goose to, <laughs> to Matt's Maverick. Although Matt points out goose died and, and he was married too. Um, then we see them where they're, let's see what's next here. Flashback. Oh, they, we see them at, at the, the law firm where they face, a a legal and moral conundrum of a man who is trying to, I get the impression he was trying to sue Roxon. And then Roxon comes back and says, well, first of all, not only will you lose against us, but we are actually going to pursue damages against you. And this is a man who has cancer of some form or another who 
clearly it happened on the job. Well, and his comment is he didn't he didn't release information to anyone except his, his, own, his doctor. own doctor. Um, and so then we get a, a sequence there where they decide they're going to quit, even though they're going to be taken out of the closet office and maybe given an actual closet or actual office with a view. Uh, but they're going to quit because they don't want to be those guys in that place for that long before they can actually make some kind of change. And then even when they're in a position to make a change, would they? So they leave and we go to, we go to uh, Josie's bar and well, the foggy draws the sign and the, the, the Nelson and Murdoch attorneys at law plaque that they're going to get. Eventually he draws it. And there's a nice little moment there where some some beer spills on it, and then the sign that he's drawn on the napkin fades into the sign that they actually made, which is going to end up in the garbage. And it's a nice a nice kind of metaphor where you know there's it's messy, something gets spilled on it, and then something's been spilled on it in the present day too, which is betrayal and lies. Those are the foundations of this podcast. <laughs> it's worked so far. It's worked so far. <laughs> what, 112 episodes? <laughs> we're 112 episodes in and nothing but betrayal and lies between the two of us. And I think we're still doing pretty darn good, if you ask me. Oh. So, yeah, so this is lots of talk. I mean, this is Nelson v. Murdoch. The episode title makes it sound like it's it's a trial. And it really is. Matt is put on trial for his lies, for his emotional uh the emotional pain that he's caused Foggy. They are you know, he's trying to explain, he's trying to give his testimony. And Foggy is poking holes in the testimony. Foggy is pointing out logical inconsistencies. Foggy is pointing out, if this, then this. If you could tell when someone is lying just by listening to their heartbeat, that means this entire time you've known times that I have lied to you and you've just pretended to believe it. And it's those kind of things. You know, Claire, she was beautiful, but you knew that, didn't you? You know, and you even get kind of the uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi from a certain point of view type of argument from Matt where Foggy says, are you even blind? And Matt's well, well, yeah, you know, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> no, no, none of that. Are you blind or not? And this is where you kind of realize, yeah, Matt Murdock, he's not blind. He can't see, but he's not blind. Good comic book version of Matt Murdock. The big jerk. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is this is a problem with any kind of superhero secret identity, especially when you're getting involved with people and, and building trust with people. But that's all based on lies. It's all based on lies. And you eventually you got to get over that. When Lois Lane finds out that Superman is Clark Kent, and she realizes the man she hates is actually the man she loves at the same time. 
And it's the same thing with, with you and me, Daniel. The man you hate is me. The man you love is also me. It's so weird for me. <laughs> so, I mean, there's there's so much that could be said, but I, I don't know if it needs to be said because a lot of it comes down to this is great drama. This is well-scripted drama and well-acted drama and foggy. Earn, I, I mean, in my call, I said he earns his paycheck, but what what's happened is every episode up until this point has caused us to be able to earn this reveal and earn this emotional response and earn I mean, they, the friendship between Foggy and Matt as portrayed on the screen. We've earned that friendship. It's, it's been given to us for 11 episodes now and we believe it. We don't need the flashback stuff to get the friendship stuff. Even more than, let's say, Tony and Rhodey, just because we've seen a lot more of it in a condensed period of time. I mean, we've really only had a relationship with these two for months. With uh, Matt and Foggy? Absolutely. Yeah, but we've had 11 hours of it between episode one and now. And with Foggy and Tony... Not Foggy and Tony. <laughs> with with uh, Rhodey and Tony, how many how many hours we have? Iron Man, Iron Man two, Iron Man three, all together. That's a, maybe a little more than six hours. Um, Don't forget fifteen minutes in Age of Ultron and Age of Ultron, and Probably then some comic book stuff. Fifteen minutes. Some some MCU comic stuff is is also there, and their friendship is mostly believable but they haven't earned as much as Matt and Foggy have earned then again we also haven't had the betrayal and the emotional expectation that has come like we get here so yeah I mean there's a lot I mean there's a lot of stuff going on he, he confronts him did you blow up the buildings did you kill the cops you know you're a lawyer. You're supposed to be helping people. I am helping people. And then I'm going to make you lie. <laughs> and um, He tries to explain his abilities. He tries to explain how he got them. He tries to explain what he's doing with them. And the one flashback thing that I kind of, well, I completely skipped over. We get the first Daredevil action that Matt took as Daredevil. And you get this question of, have you killed anyone? Well, I wanted to. I wanted to kill the guy that killed Elena. But I didn't. I, I pulled back. And then he tells a story about a man who's abusing his daughter at night when the wife is asleep, the mother is asleep. But Matt can hear it. And he goes and he follows the guy. And then we see him follow the guy in a train yard. And did you notice how Matt was dressed when he did that? I mean, darkish? He had his eyes covered? He had his eyes covered. He's wearing basically sweatpants and a sweatshirt with his hands wrapped like a boxer's hands. 
But that makes total sense. Yeah, no, it's perfect. I mean, he's dressed as a boxer. Uh, the only thing is he's got the, you know, the blindfold. Um, but, and then he gives the guy a beat down. He beats this man, puts him in the hospital where he's eating through a straw, you know. But he he beats this man with his bare hands. And, and he's telling Foggy, you know, after that, he threatened the guy. He said, if you go and touch your daughter again, I will know. And and he will. He, yeah. and, and again, when you talk about emotion and tenseness, this is a behavior that this man is doing that pretty much the majority of the population in the world is going to get angry about. Mm-hmm. It's going to make a, a common enemy of him immediately. And everyone believe that Matt's anger is righteous. And that Matt's actions may not be righteous, but his motivations are. Which makes what he does acceptable. To everyone except for Foggy. Because here's the thing that Foggy points out. Good lawyer Foggy. Matt says, I never intended to do this stuff that I'm doing. I never intended to do what I did to that man. That was never my intent. I tried to you know, ignore it even. And Foggy points out, you had to keep training. Between the time Stick left you and the time you beat up this man, you were training. Because if you weren't, you wouldn't have been able to do what you did. You had this in your mind the whole time. Well, a lot of people box and do ninja moves for fitness. And, and ninja workouts are fully comprehensive and go through all the core muscle groups. And maybe even a little bit of fun. Sure. I'll, I'll take that, Daniel. I, I, I'll admit it. I recently did a boxing workout for a day, and it was really hard and really fun. Uh, so the question is, though, is that why <laughs> he's training himself still? Is that what he's doing? Yes, fitness. Just staying fit? Just saying. Staying fit? No, no. He is prepping himself. He is getting ready. He knows that he has great power that he is going to be responsible to use. And so he's getting ready to do it. And he is doing it. So, now I mean, now he's doing it. And and Foggy's right. You intended to do this. You intended to fight crime. It's a this episode, Daniel. I I don't know how else to say it. It's really, really good. And there's not a lot of action except for that one beatdown that's not really that's not action. That's brutality. That is brutality. So here we are. Here, I was worried we wouldn't have anything to talk about. Oh, no. There's stuff to talk about. There's definitely stuff to talk about. And we've talked about it for almost an hour now. Um, yeah. I, I, I am enjoying this episode. I'm enjoying the back and forth, the sparring. Um, actually, when you think about it, you know, bringing that boxing thing back in, being a lawyer is almost like being a, a, a verbal boxer. Um, and that's what's happening here. And Foggy, here's here. I guess here's the big the big question. 
is Foggy's response legitimate? Is Foggy's response um, equal to what has been done to Foggy? And I think yes. Best friend has lied to him. Since day one. And and, and not just about being a vigilante, but his ability to see, his ability to interact with the world, to understand what's around him. His understanding of (laughs) the lying thing is perfect. You know, people sometimes tell other people that they love little white lies. But there was none of that in this relationship. Foggy was never really truly able to misrepresent himself to to uh, Matt. He was never able to put on a mask and pretend to be someone else, even for a few moments, because Matt always knew. It yeah, it all it all was not a farce, but it all was was fake. And so some of the emotions may not have been fake, but the emotional connections that they had were based on fabricated, uh, fabricated life, (laughs) the, the fabricated life that Matt Murdock leads, which is that he is, he is blind. Technically. Yes. He cannot experience color. He cannot experience I believe he he can't really experience you know a sunset the way we do. He may be able to experience it as far as temperature and and shades of temperature that are coming you know from the sunset. But he, so there's certain things yes he can't experience. He cannot experience a painting, as we found out last episode. But unfortunately, he is sighted in a way that actually in, in a, again in many ways is far more uh, perceptive than what we normal humans are. So I, it's, it's, it's legitimate. This, this episode in lesser hands and with weaker episodes leading up to it and with an actor who didn't play foggy, as well as this guy is playing foggy. Uh, it could feel contrived. It could feel forced. It hey, could, hey, it hey. It could be horrible. Eldon's got some chops. He was a mighty duck. I am not going to ever, ever diminish the idea that he was a mighty duck. You, Hey, hey, can you skate? I just said I'm never going to diminish okay. that. Okay, I'm just saying. And yes, I, I can't can. skate. I can't. I can't. Not well. I can skate. I can't stop. But I can skate. It hurts my tootsies. It hurts my knees when I stop incorrectly by slamming my knees into the side of the rink there. So anyway. Let me tell you about hockey. I mean lacrosse. Lacrosse doesn't take skates. <laughs> yeah. Well, good little Canadian boy growing up. I wasn't Canadian. I was American boy growing up in Canada. That's what you did. You skated. You skated. And I did. And I do. Just not very well. So 
I think it's time to move on to our, our witness testimony, unless you have more that you want to talk about with this episode. No, I, I very good character driven episode. Almost Especially, a bottle episode. And, and as quiet as it is, like the Ben Urick stuff, not not there long. But there's a lot. Take notes on how to behave like a, a human being and a man and a <laughs> husband by just watching Ben Urick. Yeah. Until next time when he actually takes the story back up, I guess. But, well, we'll get there. We'll get Is there. Is that going to happen? Well, I can't remember. I think he wrote the story. It was a different story, though. I'm trying to remember. We don't need to talk about it. We'll talk about when it happens. So, all right, let's move on to our witness testimony. Witness testimony. Not a lot. Not a lot. Um, well, we did get a message from Agent Evan letting us know that he loves this episode. Yeah, it's possibly his favorite episode uh, or his second favorite episode. So if you ever decide that, Evan, I'm not sure if he's going to rewatch it enough. <laughs> I'm not sure if you can watch it at all to, to be able to figure out if he, which one. Well, he doesn't more. have a lot of time because, you know, he's going to rewatch Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We did get message though from <laughs> not Agent Kurt. We got a message from Avocado Kurt. Right. Thank goodness I finally understand this. <laughs> <laughs> that that was some fun stuff that was going on there when they were in college. There were some fun lines there, but I just watching these guys play younger versions of themselves. Hey, Eldon's 37. Come on. And he's playing a 22-year-old. That happens all the time. It's true. It's true. I mean, well, speaking of Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you know, put on the wig and the hat so you don't have to get too good of a wig. And then the way Matt Murdock was made into a younger version of himself, he smiled a lot more. Did you notice that? <laughs> he just kept smiling. My disguise is a smile. It was a nice smile too. He has a he has a nice smile. You don't get to see it very often when he's uh you know being Matt Murdock and Daredevil. But when he's being past Matt, yeah. So anyway, let's let's move on to uh Avocado Kurt. Howdy Ben and Daniel, Avocado Kurt here to talk about some Daredevil. As usual, loving the show and your interesting discussions. Anyway, on to the episodes. I just wanted to share my brief thoughts with you on Shadows in the Glass. That is one of my favorite episodes. While watching Daredevil for the first time, I knew that there'd have to be a Wilson Fisk-centered episode that would cover his backstory. And boy, did this one deliver. Wilson has such a troublesome childhood, and his dad played brilliantly by Dominic Lombardozafrom. Good grief, that name. With confidence. Dominic Lombardozafrom from The Wire. Oh, no. <laughs> it's, it's Dominic Lombardas, Lombardarzi from The Wire. From is not part of the name. Okay. What a horrible man. <laughs> He's so abusive, mean, and just not a person you'd want to be related to. The scene when Bill kept telling Wilson to kick the kid is a scene that stayed with me ever since my first viewing. Also, seeing Wilson's morning routine and then how the whole thing has changed when Vanessa comes into play was interesting because it was a new and different experience having a woman in his life that changed his daily functions. I feel bad because this is a great episode, but I tend to forget about it when thinking of memorable episodes until someone mentions it in conversation. My mind is so forgetful sometimes. 
As for Speak of the Devil, there is no doubt about my memory of this one, as I think this is my all-time favorite episode. I love the non-linear nature of the episode, with the flashbacks intercut with the present action. The fight between Daredevil and Nobu was badass. It was wonderfully choreographed and had such a cool ninja-infused style with the way the action was shot and the use of fight technique. With Nobu being part of the hand, I was hoping for some hardcore and slick martial arts, and I got that and so much more. That fight was also extremely violent. I was wondering how Matt would make it out of that situation with all the cuts, bruises, and being dragged across the floor with a giant blade inside him. So painful. Uh, And this is Ben interjecting here, but not to mention all the infection from the river. Uh, One thing you you two brought up that I actually forgot was that scene in the church with Matt and the priest. That conversation was so chilling, descriptive, and thought-provoking. And it is one of the best moments of the season. I also love how Matt and Wilson meet for the first time face-to-face in a semi-civil kind of manner but later on are brawling away and Matt gets owned and then has to flee. And finally, the revelation of Foggy finding out about Matt being Daredevil was so shocking and felt like the perfect end to an already beastly episode. Well, that's me done. Can't wait for your opinions on the next episodes to see if they pan out the way I think that they do. Avocado Kurt, out. Well, there we go. There we go. Someone actually finds our discussions interesting. Yeah, you know what I'm going to do, Daniel? You ready? Because here, oh, no. here it comes. Here it comes. The new prize winner of the day. Avocado Kurt, you're getting that partially because of your name and the reference. You know, the fact that Daniel was confused for three episodes. And the fact that Daniel was confused for three episodes. And also for, you know, sending in a, a message. We haven't gotten too many of those for, for this Daredevil series. And part of that I can understand being... It's been out for a while. It's been a while since people have watched it. And that's totally understandable. And yeah, but you did. So we appreciate that. So Daniel, are you ready to move on to our final verdict? I am. Let's do it. Final verdict. So Daniel, here is the part of the show where we give the rating of the episode. And we give it in how many billy clubs out of five would you give this episode? And do you want me to start or would you like to go no, ahead? And... Here, let me go first. Go ahead. Go first. And, and I'm going to surprise you, Ben. I don't know. No tricks, no cheats, no power tools. Just a number? Four billy clubs. Four billy clubs. I am going to give this five. Five billy wow. clubs. Yeah. I, I give it five because partially it, it comes from what what was earned in the previous 11 episodes or sorry previous 10 episodes this is episode 10 isn't it i don't know well i can't count Mouth my brain's hard. not working right now but uh they earned it in the previous episodes they earned the right to give us an emotional story and it works because of what they did for us earlier even on the episodes that weren't as great it all built up to this, this conflict. And we know a conflict is coming between Matt and Fisk. It has to. That's the war that's been building. That's the conflict that we're being teased with. But this, I was not expecting. When I first watched this episode, I did not expect anything like this to happen. 
and I did not expect them when the reveal came from last episode. I did not expect we were going to get a single episode that was devoted to the relationship between Foggy and Matt and how it's going to change. Now, everything about this episode is about changing relationships. From Ben and his wife, that relationship is changing because she's being taken off of the care that she's been getting at the hospital and going into hospice. That relationship is ending in a terrible, terrible way. Foggy and Matt, their relationship is changing. Fisk and Madame Gao, Fisk and Owlsley, that relationship is changing. Fisk and Vanessa, there's some change going on there if the champagne, the champagne, as I sometimes call it, if that is going to, you know, kill her, that's really changing the, the relationship. The relationship between Matt and Claire, not changing. Uh, we don't even get to see her, but I but, really, really but like still this still willing to come. She had to, though. I mean, he was going to Did die she? if she didn't come. Mm. So it. She could have called 911. She could have. Made, that's true. And, and that's had true. an ambulance come. Because he can't take a swing at her what, you know, through the phone. He's not the Adam able to shrink down small enough to ride the telephone wires. The inside of the telephone wires from one phone to another. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's, that's uh, basically a wrap for this episode then, Daniel. Um Anything more to say? I mean, you gave it a four, which is solid. I look at a four. That's not a bad grade. That's not a bad grade at all. Just episodes that I like better. The problem is that I had all day to think about this. Actually, I've had two days to think about this because I've we flip-flopped again on prep, mostly due to me. Um, but I kept thinking, what are we going to talk about? Because really, how, how would we fill a full hour you know, is this going to be a 20-minute episode? I'd sometimes wonder because there's a lot of character stuff building, but not action that's really moving a story forward per se. What you didn't and, account for, Daniel, was the ability for me to just listen to myself talk. Oh, I always account for that. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, that's – again, uh, you can try to be deceitful about it, but it's not going to work. Sorry. No, it is going to work. That's what our relationship is based on, is my deceit yeah. and yeah, your betrayal. But, but sometimes I don't buy all your lies. Uh, I can tell when you're lying every time because I can hear your heartbeat. Boom. And, yeah, and I just pretend to believe it, Daniel. Yeah. What do you think about that now? How do you feel? I'm sorry, yeah. Daniel. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> anyway. So, mm. <laughs> so I would like to say uh, to everyone, thank you for listening. We appreciate your feedback. We um, would ask that if you do, if you haven't yet, uh, go to iTunes and give us a review. Uh, we'd appreciate that. That does help people to find the podcast. People are finding the podcast, and um, you know we're not doing this for download numbers or anything like that. We're doing this to engage in conversation, and we're enjoying the conversation you guys are doing on Facebook. And through the emails that we're getting from you and, and that kind of thing. So we just want to say again, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting us through conversation and supporting us through uh, iTunes reviews. And yeah, we just, you make this fun. You make this so much fun. And when I'm talking to this microphone, I'm hearing Daniel's voice. I'm seeing Daniel's picture on Skype, but I'm looking at the microphone 
And I'm seeing you. Yes, you. Not creepy at all. <laughs> yeah, I guess that would sound a little creepy. A little bit. Okay. Well, I guess I've said my creepy final words. Daniel, you have any not creepy final words to, to give to our, our listening audience? My good friend, my buddy, my pal. Mm-hmm. I just, we're almost to the end of Daredevil here. Mm-hmm. We didn't even know if we were going to make it. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is around the corner. We're, we're actually going to make a season three mm-hmm. of Welcome to Level 7. And I am just a hot mess about our future. Because me and you, pal, we're gonna have a we're gonna we're gonna have big fancy offices one day with steel and glass and chairs you don't even know how to sit in. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level Seven. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls. And you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. Once again, thanks for listening. And remember, welcome to Level 7. It's not just a podcast. It's a magical place. You sounded like you didn't know what your quote was going to be, that you thought it was going to be stupid. That was a good one. I was worried it was going to be bad. I'm lying. Our relationship is based on lies. We're back to deceit. Oh, I get it now. No, that wasn't bad. So. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. You, you've got two choices, Ben. What? You can talk. We can we can talk about the Rouge Cut or the Rouge Nation. Oh, it's pronounced Rogue, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure what the Rogue Nation is. Mission Impossible. Oh, which is why we're delayed a day. Yeah, I'm. I plan to see it. Oh, I plan to see both so- of them. Well, let's talk about what you have to look forward to if you when you watch the Rouge the Rouge Cut, <laughs> the Rogue Rogue, Rogue cut. cut. So this X-Men. is an extension of Welcome to Level Seven, episode number fifty-two. Okay, which was our X Men Days of Future Past episode. Yeah. So I have watched the Rogue Cut. Now I believe you own it. I do. Yeah, I'm going to be watching it soon. So here's what you should expect and anticipate. Okay. Future characters asking the right questions. Okay. Um, there is an episode. That, so when you watch this, it's going to take a while for Rogue to show up. So you're going to spend time saying, is this really the Rogue cut or did I hit the wrong setting? Because both versions of the film are on there. Mm-hmm. There will be a scene in the future where Bishop specifically will be talking about his people and asking the right questions about time travel. And you'll be like, that is very wise and smart of him to be asking these questions. Well, he's Bishop. Yeah. So, I mean, that's cool. 
And I think you're going to find some things that in the past you were like, huh? Now make a little bit more sense. You want me to spoil you on one of them? Mm, Well, I won't. (laughs) But there's just plot turns that are going to make more sense because they've now got more time. So even though it's the rogue cut and the specific thing isn't necessarily rogue that I'm talking about, it it clears up some things. Well, how did that person get there? How did these things find that? They have more time, so they go ahead and work it out. Works for me. Works for me. So, so I'm excited to watch it. Well, would you hurry up and do it? Well, I kind of have, you know, life <laughs> to do. Yeah. And I've been watching, well, I can't say I've always been watching Daredevil because there was that Tarzan fiasco. That was really, really painful. I hate Tarzan now, by the way, Daniel. It was produced by Lionsgate or distributed by Lionsgate. It was this CGI animated Tarzan that looked like cut screens from PlayStation 2. And the story, I thought Fantastic Four was going to be the single worst, you know, taking, uh, translating of uh, one thing into another thing. Uh, This was horrible. This was horrible. And I just kept watching like Homer Simpson, watching Garrison Keillor, just waiting for him to get funny. Which, by the way, I think Garrison Keillor is funny, but you know, it was funny because it was Homer and he's hitting the TV. Get funny, get funny. And I'm just looking at this and I'm wanting to hit my iPad and say, get good, get good. It's Tarzan. It should be good. I've loved Tarzan since I was three. And now so I it sounds hate to me him. like the rogue cut is better than this Tarzan of which you speak. I think it would be very hard for the rogue cut to not be better than this Tarzan of which I speak. Uh, let's put it this way. Fantastic Four is not the worst movie I've watched in the past month. I've seen Pixels. I have seen Fantastic Four. And I've seen this Tarzan movie. And all three of them bad. But Fantastic Four slightly better than the other two. But the road cut, I'm looking forward to watching. I'm very excited about watching it. I just want to find that choice, right moment in time where I can sit down and just watch the whole thing. That's what I'm waiting for. That's what I'm looking for. It'll happen. I promise. Uh, You better keep your promise, buddy. I do. Always. Always. You should know this by now. Deceit, lies, and betrayal. Sometimes if this episode feels like we're talking about soap opera stuff, and we really are, but it's so good. So good. All right, man. That's All enough. Right, well, there's another one in the books. Yeah. I guess I could finally go pass out now. 112 down, and who knows how many more to go. Well, and the next year, I believe it's scheduled to be 112. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. We got to get that hope schedule you, to work, man. Hope you like us. <laughs> I hope we like each other by the time we're done. All right, man. 
Later, dude.